Welcome to the show. Another bomber hour, the penultimate bomber hour, as we go to two hours of not bomber hour, but Bob's still here. We'll figure out the Bob bobber hour. I don't know. We'll figure it, out. Kind of a semi bomber hour yeah. with other stuff. How about that? Like a sports show. And on Monday, Christian, I should mention <laughs> that uh, Michael Shea oh, yes. is going to join me for a coaches show because normally, and it isn't normal, nothing's normal, is it? But no. normally, our first coaches show of the year would have been on Monday night. And Mike has agreed to uh, talk to people for an hour, answer questions. So that's how we'll fill the Lovely. first hour on Monday. Yeah. Perfect. How was your day today? I spilled a, a, a the, have you ever had a, you're drinking a water bottle and the lid falls off and all the water gets all over you and on your computer? It's great. It's awesome. That happened to me today. How about you? Oh yeah. No, I'm a messy person. I spill stuff all the time, but uh, no, I had a sort of an non-eventful day, uh, you know, well, just well, like a lot spice, of other days. <laughs> well, let's spice it up right now with one of the members of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. We yeah. welcome in offensive lineman Pat Newfeld to the show. Pat, how's your day been today? Um, It's been good. Weather in Saskatoon's uh, been really windy lately, so haven't had much heat, but uh, trying to enjoy being outside as much as possible. Now, we got lots of wind here in Winnipeg today. You must have sent it down here, Pat. I'm sorry about that, Bob. I would uh, never mean to do that. Well, no, you people from Saskatchewan can't be trusted, though. You know, although you are sort of a Winnipegger, you mean, aren't you? People? <laughs> You're from there. I feel like I'm, uh, I feel like I'm a born-again Winnipegger. It's like yeah, a second home to me now. So I know. Um, yeah. So how's your uh, how's your coping with what's been going on, Pat? Been it's um it's been all right. You know, I think now that it's it's hit that I'm not in Winnipeg, I'm not at the facility around teammates. It's been it's been hard. So um, just been trying to talk with teammates as much as possible, making sure guys are doing good and and uh, you know still talking football, but. It's just so hard to replicate, you know, being in a locker room surrounded by guys that are, uh, you know, we're all working towards a common goal. And, uh, you know, we just really enjoy each other's company and uh, enjoy our brothership and our fellowship. So it, it's been hard, but, um, you know, we'll battle through it. You know, just about every, everybody we've talked to, Pat, has said the same thing. And I've heard this over the years from players. The thing they miss the most when they retire and leave the game or now when they don't have the game is the locker room and the camaraderie. It, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you spend just as much, if not more time um, in the locker room, you know, getting to know people on a really personal level, um, you know, finding about finding out about who those people are and, and forming bonds. And then, you know, you, you're working so hard on the field that you, you know, you get to come off the field and you, you come into a locker room where everyone feels comfortable around one another. And uh, you just form some really powerful relationships, um, you know, from especially, you know, with people that, I would never have the chance to meet before. So um, it's a pretty cool phenomenon being able to be in a locker room. And I think uh, ours is pretty tight and uh, pretty unique. Hard to get motivated, Pat, to work out some days or not? Um, maybe just because I'm getting a little older that I, I'm starting to feel, you know, those nicks a little more now. But, um, you know, I still have that drive and that passion just because I know that all that work eventually will hopefully culminate in how we ended last season. So that's always in the back of my mind when I'm, when I'm training and, and kind of that chair dangling in front of me when I'm uh, preparing. Yeah. Christian. We have no idea when everybody's going to be able to come to the facility. Local guys can work out. Now we still have a 14 day quarantine for anybody coming into the province for you being literally physically so close to Manitoba 
it's you know an easy not an easy drive but you can do it in a day no problem how frustrating is it knowing that you're so close yet so far it is it's it's super tough um you know hearing the news that igf opened although i'm sure i'm not exactly sure of the rules but i'm sure it's at a pretty limited capacity um but it's it's just you know that extra inch that's that's right there that you want to be able to just take a hold of and, and push through um so it does suck not being able to to be there and you know, more than that, I, I just truly love being in the city of Winnipeg. You know, it's such a great city, um, especially in the summertime. There's so many great things to do, and, and the community is fantastic. So um, more than just the football, it, it's it's tough just not being in the city at this time. Pat, most uh, players nowadays don't work in the offseason. They spend most of the offseason training. Do you do you work? Do you have a job in the offseason? Um, no, not not technically, no. I mean, Myself and some friends, uh, we kind of look for investing in commercial real estate. But okay. um, thanks to thanks to COVID, that's kind of taken a you know a bit of a back burner right now. So um, honestly, it's just kind of been been a focus on trying to stay in football shape, get in football shape as best as possible. You know, you, my usual training facility unfortunately had to close, but um, thank God they're opening up uh, actually next week. So um, like I said, just been trying to find ways to stay in shape and and you know, try and stick around as much as football as possible. Yeah, and a common theme among the players we've talked to the last couple of weeks, and we've talked to, uh, I don't know, most of the starting lineup, is that uh, the timing of this couldn't have been worse for the for the Bombers, and we know everybody is suffering to one degree or another, but coming off that championship with a, you know, a set squad going into 2020, man, I bet you guys couldn't wait to get it going again. That is that is exactly it. Nail it on the head. I mean, uh, all the teammates that I talked with, we just could not wait to get back into the uh, the facility and get on the practice field because we felt like we could just hit the ground, you know, mid season form, and you know we'd be ready to roll. I mean, there'll be a couple new or a couple guys that are coming in that'll be a little new, and um, you know, there's those little intricacies with with Buck being an OC and and probably some of the new things he'll do and. and some of the new things that we'll do as an offense and maybe as a defense, but um, you know, we won't have to work as hard on building that kind of chemistry and, and that camaraderie just because so much of our team is back together and we have all those relationships and those bonds are already formed. Bomber O-lineman Pat Newfeld with us. Uh, we're going to take a break. Uh, Pat, can you stick around? Christian, what do you say we reminisce about that great cup game just a little bit when we come back? Sounds good to me. All right. It's the Blue Bomber Hour on the sports show on 680 CJOB. Just want to mention that uh, the NHL 13 minutes ago announced that starting Monday, June 8th, the league will transition to phase two of their return to play plans. So as long as all conditions are met, that means that small group workouts can happen at training centers. So we will get more into that after the eight o'clock news, but we'll continue our chat right now. Bob Irving and I with offensive lineman, Pat Newfeld, Pat, I rewatched the Grey Cup for the first time on the weekend, and I just was again amazed at how dominant on both sides of the ball the line was. The defensive line and your offensive line moving the ball down the field, burning clock. How satisfying was that to be such a big part your unit in a Grey Cup victory? It was. It was awesome. Um, it's something you always dream of, especially as an offensive lineman, where you can kind of take control um, of the biggest game of the season. 
And, uh, you know, I got to say hats off to our defense because they set the tone um, right away in that game um, from getting after the quarterbacks, interceptions, interceptions, and, you know, just limiting big plays. Um, and then, you know, our, our kind of mindset that game was just to hit them in the mouth relentlessly. You know, we just weren't going to back down. They, they kind of, you know, took it to us in, in the regular season and, and we left a real sour taste in our mouth. So uh, we just wanted to come out and, and play as physical as we could. And, and uh, you know, it worked out for the best for us. I was going to ask you that, Pat. In the two regular season games, Hamilton really had your number. In, and they came into IG Field and really laid a licking on you guys. Was that a, a motivating factor in the Grey Cup game? It, it definitely was a little bit. Um, I mean, you don't want to look too far back on those kinds of things. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we watched film on that game and we kind of saw, you know, it, the bigger picture of how that game went. You know, the, you know, thinking back on that game, we had a phenomenal first drive. Um, we, you know, right away we went down the field and we scored seven points. And, um, you know, we kind of saw, okay, this is going to, you know, this is how the game is going to unfold. And then it just totally flipped on our heads. So um, in, in that great cup game, during that week of prep, we put so much emphasis on playing relentless football, you know, taking nothing for granted and, and just assuming, you know, that they're capable of making big plays and that for us as an offense, you know, part of our job is to keep that their offense off the field by staying on the field. So, um, you know, it was just for us, you know, execution of, of our game plan and a big part of that was being physical and, and it worked out. You'll be going into your 10th CFL season whenever – another season starts and we hope that it's sometime in September. Uh, yeah, no about, yeah. Chris Traveler is gone now to the Arizona Cardinals, but of the quarterbacks, Pat, that you've been around, how unique a cat was he both in his playing style and just kind of his, his attitude? He, he is, he's one of a kind for sure. I mean, one of the, the grittiest players I've ever played with, um, just such a phenomenal teammate, the kind of guy that has everyone's back. And he's the kind of guy that you know is going to fight for every extra inch on that field because I think he just didn't want to let us as teammates down. And, and he had this idea in his head that he was he was going to grind and he was going to fight. And, um, you know, he had a messed up leg in that game. And you can see plays where he really had to grit it out and grind it out. And there'd be plays where, you know, he'd get hit or he'd get rolled up on and, he'd let out a, a big scream after the play and he'd run off and, you know, he'd refocus his mind and go back to work. So um, I can't say enough good things about Strev and more so what kind of a person he is too. Yeah. He's the epitome of toughness, isn't he a Christian? Well, and one of the tougher guys in the league as well as Andrew Harris and for you being able to just clear the way for someone like that, who had the season he had the drug suspension, the motivation of that that he clearly had on his shoulder to see him up there on the stage with both the the MVP of the game and the most outstanding Canadian of the game. How did you feel about that? I was just so happy for him because um, he just leads by example, game in and game out, day in and day out as, as a Blue Bomber. And, uh, you know, we had his back the whole season. And just watching how he plays and how he works, it, it really motivates us up front, knowing what kind of player he is behind us and, and how he conducts himself. And, uh, you know, he earned those two awards in that Great Cup game, and I couldn't think of a more deserving player after that game to uh, to hoist both those awards and make history. I think, uh, Pat Newfeld, when people hear you speak and in the interviews we, you, we do, you come across as kind of an easygoing you know, a nice guy, but I know you play with a certain edge when you're on that offensive line. And, and if you're going to be really good in that position, you have to have a bit of that, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, 
I, uh, I think with football, you kind of have to teeter that line and, and you really have to be able to kind of flip a switch mentally more than anything when you get on the field. I mean, it's a game played by big, tough, physical men and, and there's a certain amount of aggression and, and violence that comes out in that game. And, you know, ultimately it's a game where being physical and, and being violent is, is going to be to your benefit. So um, it's it's kind of something that has been with me my whole career and, and you know, I was lucky to have coaches that really emphasize the, the physical part of the game and allow us to go out and, and play physical and, and do the things we do on the field and encourage it. So, um, you know, I think it's also kind of a uh, an image that our offensive line has, has taken, in, you know, in, in total too. We, we have a group of men that um, all want to have that same identity, so we all feed off each other as well. You know, there's, before we let you go, there's a thing in football called a tourist hit. You know what that's all about, uh, Pat Newfeld, where... Yeah. Uh, player just uh, unloads on another player who's not quite ready for it. Uh, Mike O'Shea admitted once on this show that he, he gave Pinball Clemens a tourist hit, and he felt terrible about it afterward. Did you ever deliver a tourist hit, Pat Newfeld? I I have, you know, unwill, or not intentionally delivered a tourist hit, but I have hit, a, a, you know, a defenseless player once in, uh, I think it was the... West semifinal um, two years ago in Regina. Um, to my to my defense, though, I will say that the whistle didn't blow, so I was you know playing through the whistle. But um, just one of those you know emotional mistakes that I made, um, and looking back on it, you know, wasn't the best decision to make, and ultimately ended up actually hurting us um, on the field of play. You know, moving us back at a, at a critical time. So. Probably that play, looking back, would be uh, the one tourist hit I made. I remember that play, too, because you you don't take many roughing penalties, but I do remember that one. Hey, Pat, uh, thanks for joining us tonight. We greatly appreciate it. And we want to see you here. We hope to see you here in August and playing some football games in September. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully uh, it happens sooner rather than later. Thanks for having me on, guys. Welcome back to the program. Bob Irving, Christian O'Mell, and we are joined on the line by Winnipeg Blue Bombers draft pick Noah Hallett. Noah, how are you tonight? I'm doing good. How are you guys? Doing well. How has the last uh, just over one month been since you were drafted into the CFL? Yeah, I mean, it was pretty crazy. Obviously, when it happened, uh, everyone around me was kind of blowing up my phone, you know, a lot of talk going on, but things kind of died down now and just trying to focus on getting ready for when the season does start. Yeah, and how would you measure the level of disappointment, Noah, given that uh, you should be right now in training camp fighting to win a job? Yeah, I'm, I mean, it's tough. You see on the schedule pop up. I mean, we're supposed to have a couple preseason games, and instead we're sitting at home. But, uh, I mean, it, it is disappointing, but I know everyone's working hard to, to get back to it, and I think it's going to make it even more special when the season does start and just uh, create a lot more hype. I think everybody's anticipating it a lot more now. Yeah, you and your brother Nick uh, doing lots of talking about uh, going going at each other in training camp. Yeah, I mean, we, we it's kind of unspoken even when we even when we go to the gym. You know, I mean, the competitions there, and but we don't get too verbal with each other even when we're even when we're going at it. Christian. So you let your actions do the talking then? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, we've been working out, and if like if if somebody's doing more weight than the other, I mean, it's unacceptable. And the, the other person has to do more weight then. So, yeah. I mean, we're always competing. 
So here's the reality, and I don't know if you guys, you and Nick have given this a lot of thought, but, you know, one of you could beat the other out of a job in training camp. Do you think about that very much? Yeah, uh, I mean, we talked about that leading up to it and right after the draft, uh, but we we said in a lot of interviews and when we did some shows together that we, we've been growing up together and obviously supporting each other throughout our whole lives, so we're we're both guys that are willing to do anything for the team. So whatever role we happen to fall into, uh, like we're going to be happy filling filling that role for the team, and just to be able to play together is going to be something really special for us. Yeah, I can imagine. Christian, sorry I interrupted you there. No, I was going to say we have a lot of players on the show talking about how they're you know they're able to work out in their garage or they've able to do something, but it must be nice for you to have somebody there to work out with to push you during all this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, being alone and finding the motivation when everything's shut down, it's it's definitely tough. But if, if there's one day you're feeling like you don't really want to go where the motivation's lacking, usually one of us will pick each other up and force each other to go and hold each other accountable. So that's been nice. Well, if it wasn't for the pandemic, uh, you would be preparing to play the second and final preseason game in Regina tomorrow. You're aware of the timing there, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's disappointing, but that's what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. Well, that's for sure. That's uh, probably the best way to sum things up. Noah, we appreciate you joining us tonight. We thank you very much. And uh, as we say to all the Bomber players we talk to, we hope we will see you in August to get ready for games in September. I hope so, yeah. Welcome back to the show. Joined as I have been for the last couple of weeks and will continue to be for the next couple of weeks. Bob Irving, who normally would be at training camp, sending in interviews all the time, loving life in the grind of training camp in the heat, <laughs> right? Yeah, something like that. Hey, you know what? Buck Pierce and I used to do a radio show, Christian. Did I ever tell you that when Buck was uh, no. playing quarterback here? He and I did a weekly radio show for a couple of years, and it was a ratings sensation, wasn't it, Buck? It was It, it was a good show. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I think I think you... Uh, you know, you 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 kind of you kind of let it, but uh, it was it was good. It was uh, you know I really enjoyed that. We, we did it I think every Tuesday night. You yeah. know, you know for two years, and it was it it, it was a great time. Yeah, over at McPhillips uh, Casino, we did it, yeah. and uh, it was a lot of fun. And it was uh, I got to know you uh, pretty well during the course of that, and found out more about you. And now you've been in Winnipeg yeah. now for this year, eleventh year in the Bomber 11th organization, year. Buck, eh? 11, yeah, yeah, 11 years, and, uh, you know, 2010, I signed uh, in that offseason as a free agent, and, uh, you know, four years in the organization as a player, and then, uh, you know, coaching now for over six, so, you know, it's it's been a blessing, and uh, I tell you, I tell the story all the time, but as soon as I came to Winnipeg and stepped off the plane, we had, like, an autograph, you know, signing at the bomber store, and I showed up, and the fans and the people that came out, and the passion that I saw from the community, it was just overwhelming. And I was so excited. I was like, you know what, this is, this is, this is different. It's special. And, uh, and, uh, you know, I'm still here, you know, 10 years later. <laughs> I don't know if you remember your first game at, uh, Canada stadium, but I do. And, and I remember it because you guys won big, uh, and you took off on a long run, and yeah. honest to God, Buck, I'll never forget 
how the crowd reacted because you know they were coming the bombers were coming off a poor season they were excited about having a proven quarterback again and in that game when you made that run i can still hear the noise and feel the stadium shaking do you remember that play well yeah and it's, what's interesting about that is when i signed to winnipeg that was the 80th 80th season right. for the winnipeg blue bombers and now we're going into the 90th and i remember you know all the like 90 years and and then coming in and you know playing you know that first game and there was a lot of speculation of like you know don't let buck run because he's going to get hit and all those kind of things that you know go along those lines and 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 when i took off and you know had a very good game you know my very first game as as uh as 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 a starting quarterback and and uh end up beating hamilton yeah that uh, was it was it that game is probably one of my, you know, top memories in in my bomber career. Yeah. I'll never forget the way the crowd reacted on that run. Hey, Christian, well, n- enough down memory lane. Go ahead and ask Buck a <laughs> question about what's going on today. <laughs> well, we look at uh, a lot of these interviews we have with players all over the map that we've had on the last two and a half weeks, and we've talked to a number of people on the coaching staff, too. From your point of view, right now, it's June 4th. Obviously, we mentioned off the top you'd be at training camp normally. So yep. what does a day right now look like for Buck Pierce? Well, you know, we're, we're still working as a staff. You know, we still talk to the staff. We did most of our off-season meetings January, February, and, you know, going into March. And then we take we usually take a little bit of break for April and then come back in training camp in May. So, you know, we, we kind of picked those up, you know, in, in this day and age, we're able to do things over over the internet and able to have you know conference calls and and continue to you know sort you know sort those kind of things out as as we continue to build. Um, but yeah, you know I I, I can't remember a uh, you know May or June you know to where I haven't been on on a football field you know and Bob can you know say the same thing you know just to be out there and you know working with the guys. I think I think we all miss it. Um, but you know, we're, we're, we're still working, you know, we're still in contact, you know, with the players. Um, you know, I think it gives us the ability to, you know, continue to, you know, look a little bit, you know, deeper, you know, look at ourselves a little bit more, um, and, and, and just continue, you know, to build, you know, build and, and, you know, talk to our players and, and, and look forward to, you know, what, what we're looking forward to when we do step on the field. You know, Buck, one of the things that I've, over the years when I've watched games and called games and kind of wondered about sometimes when when certain plays are called and I'm thinking, you know, the, the coordinator just might be overthinking this. He's trying to be too fancy. So here's my here's my question. I don't know how much film a guy can watch, but do you do you have to be careful not to become a mad scientist and and you know delve too deep into things where you sort of get lost and get away from basics? I don't think you have to worry about it. But can that well, happen? I definitely think there's probably at this point, you know, where we are right now, uh, there's some overthinking going into it all, but. Uh, you know, I, I think it's important to understand, you know, who you are and what your team is and, and you know, those kind of things and, and, and just build on what you, on what you do well. Um, as, as coaches and even as a player, you know, like, like this is, is, is a different, you know, situation. You, you can continue to, you know, can do more and look, you know, a little bit deeper and, and not overthink things, but just kind of go over things and say, you know, look for the reasons of why you're doing these things. When, 
you know, throughout the course of a season, you know, on a on a four day week or a five day week, and you're prepping for other other opponents, you know, you, you have a very limited amount of time. So now we have a little bit of time. So we're looking at things, you know, maybe a little bit deeper, not to overthink things, but just to, you know, confirm and everything that we're seeing and, and, and just prepare, you know, I, I think we're, we're, we're all chomping at the bit, you know, as fans, as coaches, as players, all those things, we, we want to get back. We want to play, but, you know, but also, you know, for all of us, I think, you know, how you use this time is very important. Buck, if you're first and goal at the two yard line, here's my, here's my advice. Run the ball. <laughs> Throw to Milt Stiegel. I don't know. <laughs> Run the ball, Buck. <laughs> Well, I, I, I tell you what, I'm we, just kidding. We've we ran the ball extremely well the last yeah. couple of years, and, and and we've built a culture in that. So oh, I know, we, you know, we're not going to go away from that. I know you're not, Christian. One more for Buck before we let him go. Well, the very nature of pro athletes is to always be looking ahead. We never want to dwell on the past. You want to focus on the next game, and we hear a lot of those cliches a lot. But since there has been this lull, this break. Does your mind wander a lot to what happened last fall in that Great Cup run? Uh, you, you, you know what? I think it's important to understand that process of what we went through to get to that Great Cup, and the reflection on all that is 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 a positive thing. And you know, I, I was talking to you know some of our, of our players the other day, and and you know what? Like like it's such a it's good to relish that and, and and it's good to understand that what we're doing, you know, matters and, and we're on the right path and how do we, you know, take the next step now, right? How, how, how do we do more? How do we, you know, how do we give our players more? And, and, and I think in everything that kind of comes about this, I mean, I'm, I'm the most optimistic, you know, person that you're, that you're going to find continue to, you know, self-evaluate look at yourself you know how can each individual you know do a little bit a little bit more you know to get a little bit better and uh you know i think we're going to come out of this uh you know very well and and i'm excited to see you know the product that we're going to put on the field yeah i think we all are buck uh, no question about that and we thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, and you say you're chomping at the bit. I think the fans are. We all are. We want to see some football. Fingers crossed that that uh, comes our way uh, sometime in September. Thanks a lot, Buck. Thanks, Always Buck. appreciate it. Thanks, you guys. Christian O'Mell and Bob Irving with you coming up after 8 o'clock. Talk about the NHL NBA plans. Also, the MLB, the players held a conference call today. Hey, Sky's playing some Katy Perry. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I had a choice. Gonna keep going? Point. There you go. <laughs> sorry, Chris. Wow. I'm sorry. No, I'm no, sorry. no. Uh, no, nothing I say matters now. What? Keep going. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> why do you know all the words, Bob? I love this song. I, I just love this song. I don't know why. I do. Okay. <laughs> so I can. I'll talk Where about the MLB until we get to yeah. the chorus. <laughs> no, the uh, the baseball and the players. Basically, the point is it's it's not looking great right now for them. So no. we'll talk about that coming up. I can't. Uh, oh, believe, look at the chorus. I can't believe they. <laughs> Dancing through the fire, and I am the champion. All right, enough. Enough. 
No, I want to people hear your roar, Bob. Come people, on. No, people don't want to hear this. I <laughs> no, know everyone, this is all anyone wants to hear is Bob Irving sing Katy Perry. I can't believe the baseball players want to prorate their salaries and they're going to play games in empty stadiums. That just blows me away. I mean, yeah, it's, how, it's how unreasonable could you be? For the, for the players or the owners? No, uh, the players. I mean, the players are being unreasonable. They expect to be paid uh, 70% of their salary if they play 70% of the games with no fans. Yeah, it's a little unreasonable because the revenue is just not going to be there. Well, that's but, my point, yeah. Uh, they got to find, find some common ground. We'll talk yeah. about that later. All right, we, all right. Let's okay. go to the West Coast, Bob. Okay, yeah, let's do that. Julio Caravan is a good friend of mine. He's been around for a long time, almost as long as me. He does the color no. analysis, and he's laughing, on BC Lions games. Uh, <laughs> and he's joining us tonight. Hey, Julio, how are you? I'm I'm excellent, and I and I, I could have spent the entire time just listening to you <laughs> See? sing Katy Perry because I'm actually shocked that you actually know who she is. Oh, get out of here! I'm very much in touch with uh, what's it called uh, modern whatever. Yeah, no, I am. Yeah, I was Good listening you, Bob. this afternoon. I was listening to um, I forgot her name now. Um, <laughs> there we go. That's more like it. <laughs> anyway, enough of that. Come on, I'm, I'm starting to sound punchy here, for, and I I don't know why I am, but. Julio, tell us, uh, seriously, uh, tell us what the kind of the mood is out in Vancouver. Re the possibility of there being some football this year. Well, I think everybody here is, um, I think, very skeptical uh, about whether there's going to be a season. I, I, you know, the the Lions, um, you know, like everybody else, are just kind of waiting and, and trying to figure out what the next month is going to be like. So, I think the next month is very critical. If there's no movement, if there's, you know, they're they're still going to hold pat on n- no large gatherings and all. I just can't see how the league can can play. They they need to have ticket sales. They need to have people in the stands. And if they're they're not going to play um, to empty stadiums, and they're not going to play in the hub cities. I just can't see that working. The cost itself would be um, extraordinary for teams to have to move to a city, feed the players, house the players. Uh, yeah, I just can't see that happening. I'm with you totally on that. What's the pandemic situation in Vancouver right now? Well, you know what? It's, uh, you know, they're loosening it up. We're in phase two right now. So they they have loosened it up, but more and more businesses are opening. Uh, that's one thing for me, you know, I mean, my, my day job is a, is a firefighter. So the last couple of months traveling in around Vancouver for me, cause we, you know, obviously I've been going to work, um, you know, I mean, there's been no traffic. Uh, which has been kind of eerie, but now uh, you know as as more and more people are going back to work, the traffic is really picked up. You can really notice it. So, you know, we're slowly starting to um, you know to get back to you know a regular life. You know, I know that the amateur sports here, like with my kids and their soccer, they're all waiting to see if they can even go back and just start practicing, which would be a big big thing for them. I think at least to be able to get them to you know outside and start running around a little bit. Julio, the owner of the Lions, David Braley, said a few weeks ago that if there is no season, he thinks it might be the end of the league. I was surprised to hear yeah. him say that because he's been such a staunch supporter of the Why would that surprise yeah. you? Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. I, that really surprised me. Um, you know, yeah, I, 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 I really kind of, I, I did, I was very surprised by it. I, I, you know, since I've talked to a number of people, I don't think they, they think, that's going to happen. I, I have heard a couple of people say that I think it'll be cheaper for the league to cancel and, you know, uh, wait for next year at this point, given some of the other scenarios. Um, but, uh, you mean, uh, yeah, I was a little surprised by Mr. Braley's comments. Uh, 
Um, you know, I, I do think that, Bob, and you know, you've been around way longer than I have. I think the league needs to maybe take a look at, you know, its business model and see if it's working because, you know, when you have the Winnipeg Blue Bombers who are making money and, and Saskatchewan making money and, and Edmonton making money, but, you know, other teams are losing and losing and losing, maybe they need to take another look at the business model and, and, and make sure that it works for everybody. As Sky Neller plays songs to do with Ferocious Cats, Christian O'Mel, Bob Irving, and Julio Caravada, who is radio <laughs> analyst for the BC Lions. And let's actually talk some football, And as we hope that there is football in the fall. The BC Lions were a resounding disappointment last season. They did not beat a Western opponent all year. Mike Riley was under siege, and Devon Claybrooks was axed. He didn't get much of a shot <laughs> one season. Now they bring in Rick Campbell. They bring in a, a Grey Cup winning coach. How much better are they expected to be with this new coaching change? Well, I think, obviously, you know, Rick has, has been around and, and is a proven winner. So I think that is his track record as a head coach and, you know, what it takes to win, He, I think he, he totally understands that and, and, and knows the kinds of teams that you, you, you need to have in order to be competitive and, and have a chance to win, you know, championships. Um, you know, I think Ed Irvey, I think, uh, you know, what he did in, in the offseason and free agency, I think clearly showed you where they felt the, their problem was. Uh, and it was up front. They just were not good enough on the offensive line and or the defensive line. Uh, they couldn't generate pressure with four guys. They couldn't uh, protect the quarterback. Uh, and as you said, you know, Mike Riley was under siege for most of the year. Um, but I think, you know, it, it, getting, getting Micah Johnson, getting, getting um, Ryan Brown, getting J.R. Uh, Tavai, uh, getting Kenny Ladler, um, getting Riker Matthews at right tackle, uh, I think they've really, really um, changed the look uh, of, their, of their offensive and defensive line. And um, that, that was their biggest hole. So, you know, but here's the thing, guys. You know, I mean, the, the, the year prior to that, I think, you know, Ed, thought that he had some pieces and, and with Claybrooks coming in a defense that the philosophy that he brought, they felt that they had, had, you know, the right guys at that time. You just never know, right? You, you hope that some of these guys that you sign can live up to what their reputations are, but you just never know. Um, so, you know, we'll have to wait and see, but these guys are, are, I think more seasoned, more proven than some of those guys in the past. And, and, and we'll see whether or not they're going to get an opportunity to show themselves on the field. Well, one thing for sure, Julio, the Lions do have a proven, outstanding winning quarterback in Mike Riley. I know he's, mm-hmm. getting, he's getting up in years, and you wonder if the, the beating takes a toll, and we always wonder that about quarterbacks when they get into their, their later years. Yeah. If he's protected better, though, the team has to be better, doesn't it? Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? And that, you know, Bob, you know, that's one of the things about it doesn't matter how good the quarterback is. Like, and, 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 you know, this is true of every single quarterback, no matter if it's Doug Flutie or Warren Moon or whoever it is. Um, if you're, if you go into a game mentally knowing that you're not good enough in a certain area, your 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 focus and your 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 mental game is is going to be worried about that if you don't feel 100% confident. So no matter who the quarterback is, if you don't have time to throw the football, you're not going to be successful. Right. So I think that was very true with Mike, right? I think Mike knew they weren't good enough up front. And I think the psychological part of that really warmed down because I think he knew, you know, he would hurry throws. He tried to anticipate throws. 
trying to find rhythm with certain guys, and he found it with Brian Burnham, but and Lamar Durant, but he he, he just you could tell he just never had the confidence, uh, you know, in certain situations to kind of let the ball go before uh, the receiver was ready because you I mean he he was kind of panicked back there because he knew he was going to take a shot, and you take you take some hits early on in a game. Um, you know, it, it, it has a huge effect on you, no matter how, how many years you've been in a league. So hopefully with some of the changes that they've made up front, and, and uh, guys, you guys know him very well, but he was a big disappointment here last year with Soup Chung, yeah. right? I mean, he, he, he came in here to try to bring a level of nastiness and, and physicality, and it just never worked. He just never seemed to be comfortable, and then he got hurt. So hopefully a year uh, in the system, um, you know, it, it is going to make him better. And, you know, we get the Suk Chung that was so dominant when he was in Winnipeg. Well, Julia, if we have football in September, as Katy Perry would say, we hope that the lions <laughs> roar. And I can assure you of one thing, you're going to hear me roar. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. All of us, all of us, buddy. <laughs> we all can't wait to get back out there. All right. Julio, thanks very much. Appreciate it. Hey, no thanks. problem, guys. Sorry about night. that. Cheers. Sorry about that, Christian. That was pretty. Oh, bad. I don't care. This that... is wonderful. <laughs> For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.